Welcome to Multifamily Real Estate Investing, presented by Mara Poling. My name is Pat Poling. I'm the founder and CEO of Mara Poling, and I'm happy to be with you today to do an update on market selection. From time to time, we like to chat about the various markets we're active in and use them as an opportunity to underscore the characteristics that we think define a healthy, stable market to deploy capital in. For those of you that invest with Mara Poling or invest with a firm like Mara Poling, we'd encourage you to look for these kinds of characteristics in the investments that you're making. If you're an individual building your own uh, portfolio of residential size, uh, multifamily, you may or may not have the ability to invest at some distance. We encourage folks to um, uh, to be more focused on uh, nearby markets that you actually have physical access to. Uh, but if you do choose to invest uh, farther away, or if you happen to live in a market with some of these characteristics, this may be of some value for you. Before I dive into any of this in great detail, my apologies on today's audio. I happen to be in market this week, and we're not in uh, our main office where I have uh, a little more advanced, although not terribly advanced, uh, recording capabilities. So I hope this audio is acceptable. Uh, we'll be back in the office uh, for next week's episode. So um, so with that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, dive in. So what I want to do today is hit some of the characteristics that we talk about when we uh, answer the question, well, why do you invest there? Most of you know or have heard in the past us talk about our annual survey that we do of 380 some odd markets across the country. We look at 17 different characteristics that we benchmark against. And having, after having done that, there's about 30 markets that make that list. That gets whittled down to 25 with some additional items that we'll look at. And of those 25, uh, for the last several years, uh, five years plus now, half of those markets have been in Texas. And that's the reason we invest in Texas. We love Texas. We love all the states. We'd be happy investing anywhere in the country. We think it makes sense to invest, if you're looking for lower risk, in markets that meet these kinds of criteria. So we're going to take a quick look at the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. That's one of the markets that we have been active in for some time. And I think it's a great example of the kind of performance in terms of how the market itself has performed demographically and so on. Um, we invest in other markets in Texas as well, the other two major markets, Houston as well as San Antonio, and a number of the smaller markets, for example, markets like Waco and Tyler and College Station and uh, the like. They've all demonstrated these kinds of characteristics. So while we're talking about Dallas-Fort Worth, these numbers are pretty true as well for the other markets uh, in Texas. And that's the reason we like uh, Texas. So this happens to be just some some recent data that's come out that uh, we get sent to us. We get data from a lot of different uh, a lot of different sources. If you would like to learn more about this, feel free to shoot me an email, pat at marapoling.com, m-a-r-a-p-o-l-i-n-g.com. Uh, you can also swing by the website. We've got some good material there, and um, and we covered some of this. Uh, in our most recent uh, State of the Multifamily Market, which for those of you that attended, thank you. It was really a wonderful turnout. 
if you did not get a chance to attend but were registered, you're going to be getting an email this week with the link to the recording and the uh, and the slide deck. If you did not register, I'm sorry you missed out on the live opportunity, but you can still get a copy of the slide deck and listen to the recording. Uh, so uh, shoot me an email again, Pat at Mara Polling, if you're interested in that. So Dallas-Fort Worth. Dallas-Fort Worth is by far the largest metro area that we're active in. It's the fourth largest metro area in the United States, followed very closely by Houston. So uh, two of the top five we have positions uh, in. About 7.7 .7 million people in the Dallas-Fort Worth MSA. Um, and lots of great news uh, this last year in terms of activity. So let's just talk a little about the, about the demographics. 7.7 um, .7 million is really large. We don't need to be in markets that large. That's not a criteria for us. We don't necessarily think size equates to stability. As I said, we invest in markets like Waco and Tyler and College Station that are on what we would describe as the low end of the size spectrum. Those are 200, 300,000 uh, population centers, uh, and that works fine on the lower end. But it works. All, this data will work all the way up to uh, up to these very large markets. Um, so here's here's some data that that's a good example. So if we look at employment. And I'm not talking about the unemployment rate. Unemployment rates move around for a lot of different reasons. That's, I don't think that's as critical as looking at the rate of change of employment. So in the last year, Dallas-Fort Worth, the employment base grew a little over 3%. So uh, they added, uh, let me get this number right, 100 and, what is that? Um, 100 and... 20,000 jobs this last year, uh, 130,000. Um, so a really significant uh, growth in terms of the raw number of jobs. And that's in the last year. We like to be in markets that have that performance over time. So if we look back over the last 10 years, we're looking at over 900,000 jobs created in the Dallas-Fort Worth uh, Metroplex over that 10-year span. Uh, so you'll notice that's an average of 90,000. We did 120,000 this last year. Uh, that number is increasing. It's increasing because that rates kind of stay in the same. It's staying about 3% a year. And obviously, the larger and larger your base grows, then 3% of that number becomes bigger and bigger. Uh, and bigger. So we went from something in the neighborhood of about 3 million jobs in the Dallas uh, Metroplex to uh, shy, just shy of 4 million, 3, three 9 and, uh, and change. So solid job growth. That's one of the things we want to look for because obviously for people to pay rent, they have to have jobs. That doesn't mean that when a downturn comes, and someday there'll be a recession, right? There, there's always one coming that when a downturn comes, Dallas isn't going to feel it. However, it's already growing faster than the national average. Therefore, any pullback, there's a little cushion there for us to be able to use, and that's very helpful when we get there. Well, if you're going to grow jobs, you're most likely going to have more people as well. So if we look at the population growth, now this is, this is a 10-year number. Over the last 10 years, we've got uh, a million three. 
an extra million three in population, which if you think about it, it's really an amazing number. You go out and look at some of these other markets that are out there, <laughs> some of the smaller ones I mentioned, you could pack two or three or four of those markets just into the growth that this market has. And that's because it's large. Now, that growth has been around 2% a year, which is very healthy. It's in line with what we would want to have, maybe even uh, a, a little higher. And it's projected to continue at that 2% rate. But this is a great example where I would encourage folks to not necessarily look at just the percentages, but to also look at the raw numbers. So uh, as I said, 1.3 million new residents in the Metroplex over the last 10 years, 130,000 a year. In the next five years, right? So that's the forecast I've got in front of me. In the next five years, we're looking at 750,000 uh, over that next five-year stretch. So that's 150,000 a year. So the actual amount of population growth is increasing. Percentage is staying pretty flat, right? We're staying at roughly that 2% growth every year. But because we're getting a larger and larger base, we're seeing more of that. And those uh, 750,000 people, that's going to generate, you know, another 275, 300,000 households, something like that. And half those households, close to half of those households are going to rent. So we've got 150,000 new units we're going to need just to take care of the population growth over that period of time. Now, there was household growth as well. So in the last 10 years, uh, this market uh, experienced about 430,000 uh, new households. And the forecast is for uh, 250, 260 over the next five years. So about the number I was just uh, referencing there. And roughly 55% of the metro area's uh, residences are owner-occupied uh, with the balance obviously falling into that rental space with, with some of those, uh, with some vacancies in there. So this is something we, we see pretty consistently when we look at urban markets. While the national home ownership rate is in the low 60s, uh, pretty much back to normal or historical normal uh, from the high of almost 70% uh, uh, pre-Great Recession. Um, that's a national number. When we look at the urban areas, which is where we all tend to invest more as opposed to rural uh, multifamily, um, you're going to see everything much closer to 50-50. Now, there aren't really any 50-50 markets, at least none that we've had any firsthand experience with, uh, but mid to low 50s uh, from an ownership standpoint, so mid to high 40s from a rental standpoint, absolutely. So again, the 255,000 new households that are being forecast uh, here over the next five years, you know, we can look at 100,000, 110,000 uh, or so of those uh, coming in the form of, um, of multifamily. And again, that's just from this data that we're looking here. Um, there's some growth in, uh, in income. Uh, over the last uh, 10 years, uh, incomes up 31%. Uh, uh, 52,000 uh, for households. Uh, 10 years ago, 68,000, almost 69,000 uh, today. So 
$17,000 in annual, uh, in total increase, uh, $1,700 a year. That's pretty healthy. Now that's going to come from obviously a variety of places. It's going to come from not only existing in-base jobs that are simply growing and becoming more valuable and therefore are earning more, but it's also going to come from the growth, right? So that population growth, that job growth means new jobs coming in. And some of those new jobs that are coming in, obviously, are coming in above this median number. So we've seen income growth. So we've seen population growth, job growth, household growth, income growth. Those are absolutely the kinds of characteristics that we're interested in, in terms of identifying healthy markets to invest in. Now, we also want to invest in markets that aren't uh, terribly lumpy or over um, committed in any one uh, segment. I mentioned we get about 30 markets a year, more or less, that make our initial list, and then that whittles down to 25. One of the reasons some of those markets come off that list when we get down to the 25 is they're too concentrated. They might be overly focused on uh, a particular segment. For example, there's some military towns. We love the military, fantastic, and we would love to be in a position where it made uh, low-risk sense to invest in communities like that, and we do. San Antonio is a town that has a pretty healthy military component to it, and it's balanced by a lot of other good uh, market sectors. Uh, There are other cities where a military base really is the dominant employer. And that is going to increase risk anytime you have one employer or one segment that's too large. So when we look at the Metroplex, it's pretty well balanced. Now, there's some small uh, components uh, that we don't pay a lot of attention to. For example, if I look here, um, uh, mining, uh, right, Uh, those items, that's not a big part of, uh, of the Dallas area. I'll talk about Houston more in a moment. Um, but when you get to, um, so transportation, right? So that's, that's a big one. Um, professional services, healthcare, uh, government, uh, those are fairly meaningful parts of the economy. Um, 15 to 20% of the economy for each of those pieces there. So a well diversified economy. Now, Houston, which is another market we're pretty active in has for decades been thought of as an energy town. Uh, And I think that's very true if you look at West Texas. There are absolutely energy towns out there. Houston has become much more diversified in the last, I'd say 20 years, but certainly in the last 10 years. Uh, And energy is a much smaller portion of Houston, which makes Houston a very attractive uh, market from that uh, particular uh, standpoint. So another component we look at is uh, absorption, right? So this is uh, what kind of new developments going on and how much of that new development is uh, being taken up by the market, right? Where are we ending up with a glut? So if you look at Dallas, this is one of the areas where Dallas is maybe a little different than what you think you might want. Dallas is one of, if not the most active market for new multifamily construction. Now you heard us talk and you heard us talk last week about um, supply and about supply being pretty static. Now, the reason we say that is the vast majority of new construction in the country is uh, luxury, class A, resort style, uh, and that's 
really a function of price. It's very, very difficult, if not impossible in most markets, to build competitive Class B units. And Dallas is exactly that kind of market, right? If we look at the growth in the market, it is heavily, heavily, heavily skewed towards Class A, effectively 100%. The Class B development that's there um, is, uh, in addition to being somewhat market-oriented, it also has some level of either government support or um, uh, market restrictions on it. Uh, it's driven by a number of other activities. And the data, so as I, as I look at it here, uh, absorption is great. Actually, the, the last year, more units, more new units were rented than came online. So even with all the Class A development, Dallas did a really good job of absorbing those units. The vast majority of that absorption, like 95% of it, is in the Class A space because that's where the development is. And yet, you're still seeing vacancies in the 10, 11, 12% range on average in Class A. Now, the vacancy rates are much healthier in Class B. That's where we like to play. Uh, we're talking about anywhere from the fives to just about 7%, depending upon which part of the Metroplex uh, we look at. Uh, rents, rents are healthy in the Metroplex, but there's also still a very healthy gap between existing Class B rents and the new Class A rents. Uh, in Dallas County, as an example, uh, we're looking at something in the neighborhood of about a 40% gap, right? So you're going to have to move Class B rent a substantial amount uh, before you get up all the way up to Class A. So there's room for us to do value add. And conversely, in the event of a downturn or an oversupply in Class A, and Class A's pull back, they're going to have to pull back dramatically, $200, $300, $400 a unit, before they begin to get to the top end of where the Class B uh, space starts. So that's another factor that we like, healthy absorption. We're not really scared by the development number. Now, if, if for some reason we found a market where there was a significant amount of development going on and it was actually happening in the Class B space, then that'd be something we'd take a deeper look at. Doesn't mean we'd necessarily rule that market out because there might be a sub-market where it's concentrated and the rest of the market, it's really not affected by it, so we'd simply stay away from that sub-market. Um, but it's something we'd want to uh, to look at from that uh, particular standpoint. One last item, and this isn't really so much a uh, characteristics that we'll use to assess the healthiness of a market, but it's a question I get asked on a regular basis, and that is, how many good deals are left? What, what do you think's out there still? And uh, we'll just use Dallas, uh, Fort Worth as an example. So uh, if we go back 10 years, um, so this is right after the Great Recession, right? We're talking, you know, a couple hundred transactions a year in the multifamily space. Uh, over the last four or five years, it's been north of 500 and is forecast to be north of 500 again uh, this year. So. A lot of activity, and when there's a lot of activity, that means there's a lot of potential deals out there. Obviously, if 500 transact, that means there were 600, 700, 800, some number obviously above that that were in play, and they ultimately didn't come to conclusion, some of those. But those are all good opportunities to be able to play with 
And for an investment firm the size of Mara Polling, we're looking to pick off a handful of those. We're not looking to take on 50 of them, right? So we don't need to get 10% of the market to make this work. And as I said, we're active in other markets throughout Texas. Uh, in total, uh, we continue to track over 400 transactions a year in the space that we want to be in, in this class B value add space, and believe that that's more than enough activity to support the kind of work that we, um, that we do. So uh, the activity volume is good. Uh, absorption's healthy for the number of uh, units that are being developed, and again, very, very skewed towards the A side, so something we're comfortable with. We've got nice rent gaps between A's and B's. That's another healthy thing to look at. We're seeing good employment growth. We're seeing good income growth. We're seeing growth in population and in households and on the uh, rental side, good growth in the rental housing units. All of those make this an attractive market. It helps insulate us so that when we go throughout the entirety of the economic cycle, this market should perform better, we believe, than markets that don't have these characteristics, right? So if someone's been growing more slowly, has a fairly flat population, uh, incomes have moved up very slightly, not as robustly as they have here in this market, the market uh, may be a little more focused on one particular piece of the economy than being well diversified, uh, there is development in the B space, which again, you don't really see that anywhere. But if you had those kind of characteristics, could you make money in that market? Yes, you could, right? Uh, the work that we do, you could do in a market like that. There would be greater risk in that the performance of those assets over time likely would not perform as well as being invested in a market like Dallas. And that's why we like Dallas. And obviously, lots of people like Dallas, right? Many of you may be listening and go, well, gee, that's why there's so many people trying to put money into Dallas. And that's true. There's a lot of interest in the Dallas market. We've been very successful over the last five or six years finding good properties, making good investments. Uh, the investments we've made in Dallas have all overperformed uh, our mid to high teens return number. Um, you know, we've been in the 20 range and uh, we're very pleased with that we continue to think that dallas presents opportunities and we're actively sourcing product there right uh, right now so if you'd like to learn more about how we do this analysis i'm happy to uh, share that with you and have a chat you can go to the website there's a little place there you can click to get some time on my calendar i'm happy to do that or as i said you can shoot me an email pat at marapolling.com Again, thanks for uh, putting up with, I'm not sure, we'll see how this audio turned out. Thanks for putting up with uh, dealing with me being on the road uh, this week and being in market. And uh, I hope you'll join us next week for another episode of Multifamily Real Estate Investing presented by Mara Poli.